We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. WTBN Pinellas Park, W262CP Bayonet Point. Brought to you by Moss Nissan. Locations in portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. So if man has no righteousness of his own, which is what Paul is is saying, then the only way, possibly, the only way that we can be right with God is for God to supply that righteousness that we need, that we don't have in ourselves. That's the subject of the verses before us. That's, what, that's the heart of what Paul is saying as he closes chapter 3, that God has provided righteousness for man. That's really the key difference between Christianity and other faiths. Every religion ever devised is merely a man-made system of satisfying various gods. They consist of things that people must do to appease their deity. But Christianity says there's nothing you can do. It is humanly impossible, so God, in His grace, has done it for you. You are listening to Verse by Verse, a Bible class of the air led by pastor-teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor for more than 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These daily Bible lessons come to you through the work of Verse by Verse Ministries. We are all mortal. At some point, we will meet our Maker, as the saying goes. What will you say to Him? Will you be able to convince Him to allow you into heaven? If so, on what will you base your plea? If you have been following these lessons from the first three chapters of Romans, over the past few weeks, you have seen how the Apostle Paul has presented the case that we can never satisfy God's requirements in and of ourselves. But there is wonderful news, and that's where we are going today on Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve moves on to the final few verses of Romans chapter 3. If you have your Bible, turn to verse 21. Now, here is Pastor Steve. There is a popular saying in print these days, which is often noticeable in Christian circles. You can see them either on bumper stickers or perhaps on a church sign. And the saying is this, Christ is the answer. Now, I I know what that sign means by that saying, but whenever I see those words, you know what goes through my mind? I, I wonder, what does a person who doesn't know Christ think when they see that sign? You know what I suspect that goes through their minds when they see it? Christ is the answer, but what's the question? What's the question? What is the question to which Christ is the answer? I suppose there are many ways to express that question, but I think the Old Testament character Job put it best 
when he asked this question. In fact, the question he asked is the most important question that could ever be asked. He asked in Job 9.2, how can a man be right before God? That is the ultimate question which anyone could ever ask. The ultimate question of life is how can a man, a woman, a boy, a girl be in right standing with God? How can a sinful human being be right with a holy, righteous, just God? For thousands of years, men and women have been trying to find the answer to that question. Some have sought it, sought to be right with God by being religious, but that just doesn't do it. That will never satisfy and that will never meet that that deep need. That will never make a person right with God. Religion never will do that. Others have sought to be right with God by helping their fellow man, doing beneficial things, charitable things. And while that's commendable, that certainly won't make a person right with God either. There is only one legitimate biblical answer to the question of how can a man be right before God? And the answer is Christ. That's what they mean by that sign. Christ is the answer. But the question is, why is he the answer? How does it work? Why is he the answer to man's ultimate question? How does he, Jesus Christ, solve life's most perplexing dilemma? There is no more concise and clear answer to that question than Paul's explanation in Romans chapter 3. So I'd like you to turn your Bibles to Romans, the third chapter. And we're going to read verses 21 through 31. We will not uh, teach on all of these verses today, but in these 10 verses have found the answer to life's most perplexing question, how a person who's sinful, can be made right with a holy God who the Bible says is so holy he is an all-consuming fire. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, for all those who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God he passed over the sins previously committed. But the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where then is boasting? It's excluded. By what kind of law? Of works? No, but by a law of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, the Gentiles also. If indeed God is one, and he will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, do we then nullify the law through faith? May it never be. On the contrary, we establish the law. Now that may seem very confusing to you at first. And that's why we want to go verse by verse and explain it. What's the context? The Apostle Paul up to this point has just proved very logically, very systematically, very biblically that every individual is guilty before a holy God. For all not only have fallen short of the glory of God, but Paul says all are under sin. Sin is the master of everyone. Sin has dominion over every person born into this world. And the verdict is announced in verse 19, which is the context. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. Why? So that every mouth may be closed. 
The world has no defense. There is nothing they can say. The law of God has shut their mouth permanently and they can offer no other plea except to say guilty. And that's exactly what Paul is saying. For all the world may become accountable or guilty before God. All the world is guilty and when God speaks, everyone is silenced. The world is guilty before God. So the verdict is in. What is the verdict? Guilty before a holy God. If the book of Romans ended there, then every one of us would be asking the same question that Job asked. How can a man be made right with God? Either we'd be asking that consciously and verbally or subconsciously, but that would be on our hearts. And that is the cry of people today. How can I be right with God? In fact, I was reading a testimony just, uh, just last night of someone who said, I knew there was a God, but he was so far away from me. How could I be right with him? Man has no righteousness of his own. Classic verse on that is Isaiah 64, verse 6, where Isaiah says that all our righteousness is like filthy rags. The original Hebrew word means menstrual rags. That's what God is saying. All our righteousness is like menstrual rags, the best that man can do. And this is our righteousness, not our, our, the worst we can do. The best that we can do is filthy rags fit only to be tossed in the garbage. That's our righteousness compared to a holy God. Now, compared to each other, we might look good, but we're not comparing ourselves to each other. The standard is God. All have sinned to come short of the glory of God, and so we all fall short of that. So if man has no righteousness of his own, which is what Paul is, is saying, then the only way, possibly, the only way that we can be right with God is for God to supply that righteousness that we need, that we don't have in ourselves. That's the subject of the verses before us. That's, what, that's the heart of what Paul is saying as he closes chapter 3, that God has provided righteousness for man. And as the passage breaks down, the Apostle Paul unfolds five truths about the righteousness that God has provided. And we looked at these truths last week. We saw that it is apart from the law. Verse 21 says that. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested. In other words, he's saying it's not of works. There's no legal code. There's nothing you can do. It's apart from the law. Secondly, it is attested to by the Old Testament scriptures. It is not original with the Apostle Paul, and that's why he goes on to say, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. The Jews were saying, Paul, you made this up. There's no biblical backbone of what you have to say. There's no support. And Paul says, it's not original with me. It is attested to in the Old Testament scriptures. Pastor Steve Kreloff will be right back with more observations about righteousness after this short break. This is Verse by Verse, a daily radio Bible class. Pastor Steve has an important announcement to share with you before we resume our lesson. Hi, this is Steve Kreloff. I wanted to take a few moments today to tell you how pleased I am that you're listening to Verse by Verse. Our goal here at Verse by Verse is to teach people the Word of God so that they'll be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ and glorify God. I hope that you've been learning and growing in your faith as you've listened to our broadcasts. As a faithful listener to these broadcasts, I feel you should know that Verse by Verse needs your financial support. It's costly to prepare and broadcast these programs, and we can only continue to do so if our listeners support this ministry. So I would ask you to please consider giving a gift as a way of saying thank you to the Lord for providing this program to help you in your Christian walk. 
All gifts to Verse by Verse are tax-deductible. You can give via PayPal on our website, which is versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. Or you can send your gift to Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. That's Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. Thank you, and may our Lord richly bless and strengthen you as you listen to him speak, verse by verse. Let's get back to class now and find out what are the other three aspects of righteousness. It is a gift, but how does it get from God to us? Here is Pastor Steve to explain. The third thing we saw about this righteousness is that it is available through faith in Christ. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For all those who believe, we said that faith is not just having an intellectual understanding. It isn't just agreeing with the facts about Christ. It is a personal trust in Christ and what he's done for us in paying for our sins. In other words, he becomes our confidence to go to heaven. Just as you are trusting in that pew to support you, so faith in Christ is trusting in him for your eternal salvation, to support you eternally and to forgive your sins. The fourth thing we saw about God's righteousness is that it is accessible to all. The end of verse 22 says this, For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no distinction. It is accessible to all because all are in need of it. It's not just for Gentiles. It's not just for Jews. It's not just for one race or another race or this people or that. It is for all. Why? Because all are in need. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So it is accessible to all who will believe. And then finally, and we just began to touch on this and we want to continue today, it is accomplished through redemption. It is accomplished through redemption. Now that's where we want to land today. Verses 24 and 25 and 26. We cannot justify the scriptures and by, by quickly skimming over this. We must take our time in going through this because this is the heart of the gospel. Let's look at verse 24 and the beginning of 25. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. Now these two verses explain to us why this righteousness is available, how it works. In other words, what we're saying is this. Paul has explained how God provides righteousness in these two verses. Up to this point, Paul has not explained it. He's just explained aspects of it. Up to this point, he's only told us of the fact of its provision and how, it can, how we can have it. But he hasn't explained the theology behind it. He hasn't explained its guts. He hasn't explained how it works. He hasn't explained its, its systematic approach. He hasn't explained its, its biblical logic. Now he explains it. And he explains it by three words, three very theologically sounding words, impressive words, justification, redemption, and propitiation. Now don't be intimidated by those words. They're not that hard to understand. 
It's not just for theologians and Bible scholars to know what this means. It is written, this book is written to, to folks just like us, common folks who, who want to know what God's plan of salvation is. So don't be scared by these words. Let's look at them. We started last week and let's continue. Justification. Now, let me eat humble pie this morning in front of you. I said last week, rather harshly, too harshly, I said that, that uh, justification does not mean it's just as if I had never sinned. You know, the more I thought about that, and I was, I was bold in saying that, and rather arrogant, the more I thought about that, the more I thought, why isn't it that? And so I confess to you today that uh, if you like that definition, that's fine. Because, um, see, I told you it was eating humble pie. I said it very hard, harshly, and not only that, but I was really wrong. The more I, the more I looked into it, the more I thought about it, yeah, that is what justification means. If, that, if, if, if you like that little saying, that's fine. Justification literally means that we are declared righteous by God. What I wanted to convey, which I didn't, but what I wanted to convey is that it is different than innocence. Adam was innocent, but not righteous. Adam, before he sinned, was in a state of innocence. He was not confirmed in righteousness, nor was he sinful. When we are justified, we are declared righteous. We are not innocent. That's what I wanted to convey. But it is really just as if I had never sinned. It is the act of God. It is a legal declaration by the judge of all the earth that those who believe in Jesus Christ are declared righteous. Charles Spurgeon, the great uh, preacher of 1900, said this. The term justification is forensic. That is, it's legal referring to the proceedings in a court of law and signifies the declaring of a person righteous according to law. It is not, now watch this, it is not the making of a person righteous by the infusion of holy habits or by an inherent change from sin to holiness. This is sanctification. But the act of a judge pronouncing the party acquitted from all judicial charges. What he is saying is this. That justification is God pronouncing us righteous, not making us righteous in our behavior. Don't confuse the two. For those who trust in Christ as their Savior, God takes the righteousness of his own Son, Christ, and puts it to our account. Christ's righteousness has been put to our account, and therefore God pronounces us as righteous as his Son. That's what it means. And he treats us as righteous as his Son. Now, sometimes this is very difficult for people to grasp, not because of its definition, but because of their own experience, because they look at their sins, believers do, and they say, how can I be righteous in God's sight when I behave like this? You've missed an understanding of righteousness then, or justification, rather. Justification itself makes no change in us, in and of itself. Eventually, it will, and we'll see that in Romans, but... By its primary definition, it makes no difference in our behavior. There is no actual change in us. It is simply God's declaration concerning us. So let me show you what I mean. If you'll look back at Romans chapter 3, verse 4. Some have accused in this passage God of being unfaithful. Paul says, may it never be. Let God be found true and every man a liar as it is written and he quotes from the psalms that thou mightest be justified 
in thy words and might prevail when thou art judged. What's the point I'm making? Look at the word justified. Does it mean that God can be made righteous? Of course it can't mean that. God is righteous. You can't make God righteous. He is righteous. But you can say, oh God, you are righteous. I declare you righteous. I pronounce you righteous. That's what it means. That's what I mean. This is a great definition, a great illustration, rather. That's exactly what justify means, to pronounce a person as righteous and to treat that person as righteous. That's why David said, God, I, you're justified. I declare you righteous. See, this is so much more than forgiveness. It's part of it, but it's so much more than forgiveness. If you sin against me, I'll forgive you. I'll tell you ahead of time. I'll forgive. I may struggle with it for a while, but I'll forgive you. But I don't have the power, nor do I have the authority to make you righteous. I can say that you are righteous, but I can forgive you. Now, there are so many tremendous truths that, to, to lay hold of that centered around the term and truth of justification. For instance, it is a present reality. Do you realize it's not when you die? It is now when you believe in Christ, you are declared righteous. The moment we believe, that's why he says, being justified. Being justified. Not sometime in the future. Now, you're declared righteous if you have put your trust in Christ. Another truth that really applies to us is there are no degrees of justification. There are no haves and have-nots. There's not some people who have more of it than you do. You hear a lot about that today. But in God's sight, there's none of that. The most carnal Christian is pronounced as righteous as the most spiritual. Regardless of his behavior, Lot in the Old Testament was just as righteous as the Apostle Paul. Not only that, but our whole eternal security is centered around it. There are some who believe that we can lose our salvation. Absolutely impossible. I say that without uh, any fear of contradiction. Absolutely impossible. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 30. Whom he, did, whom he predestined, these he called, and whom he called, these he also what? Justified, declared righteous, and whom he justified, these he glorified. As far as God is concerned, the person who is justified is glorified. It's as good as, as when it will take place. In God's sight, it's as if you're in heaven already, in your glorified bodies. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? And this is what we'll say. If God is for us, who's against us? In other words, if God declares you righteous, who dares to be against you? Verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? Who dares to? Now, Satan does. And Satan says, you're not saved. Look at your life. How could you be declared righteous? But then God says, God is the one who justifies. In other words, it doesn't matter what anybody says. God declares us righteous, and that's where our security is. It doesn't matter if there's a charge against us. It doesn't matter if someone says that you're not saved. It doesn't matter because if God justifies you, then nothing else really makes any difference. If God declares you righteous, then who dares to declare you condemned? That's the point. That's wonderful assurance, isn't it? If God declares us righteous, there is no one mighty enough to overturn his ruling. 
Satan may point and accuse, but he can never convict us if we have put our trust in the risen Lord Jesus. This is Peter Silseth, and I would like to thank you for listening today to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida since 1981. These radio Bible classes can be heard every weekday on this station and are a production of Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of listeners like you who are first faithful to their own churches. We are on the web at versebyverseradio.org. If you stop by, you will find today's class right there. And you can listen online or download it for later or for a friend to hear. We have plenty of previous classes on the archives page as well. That's versebyverseradio.org. Our program today was part of a longer message which we will continue in the days to come. To hear it all at once, you can order a CD or cassette by calling us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. The number again is 727-441-1714. From time to time, we read about the human slavery that still thrives even in these modern days. There is debate about the effectiveness of buying and releasing these slaves in order to rescue them. The question is, while that frees a slave, does it increase the demand for more slaves, jeopardizing the freedom of others? But there is also the slavery of sin to consider. That's a different kind of slavery.